This is Radio Romania International. You are listening to our one-hour broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa. We can also be heard on the internet at www.ri.ro, Channel 1. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and other social media platforms. Our programs are also available on TuneIn, Radio Romania International 1, and in Europe via satellite Utilsat 16A on 11,512 MHz, vertical polarization, azimuth 16 degrees east. We wish you good reception conditions. Hello, I'm Ana Maria Popescu with the news first, the headlines. The government is discussing an emergency order introducing temporary measures to curb excessive foodstuff price increases. President Klaus Johannes takes part in the European Council meeting in Brussels, focusing on the European Union's relations with China. And on the 1st of July, the first day of Spain's rotating presidency of the EU Council, Prime Minister Pedro Sánchez travels to Kyiv to reiterate the Union's unwavering support for Ukraine. The government of Romania is discussing today an emergency order introducing temporary measures to curb the excessive rise of foodstuff prices. Under the new regulation, food processors may charge a maximum 20% markup on production costs. The combined markup throughout the distribution chain, regardless of the number of distributors, may not exceed 5%, while retailers may charge an additional maximum 20% on purchase prices plus overheads and direct expenses. The emergency order will be valid for 90 days after endorsement. Europe's relations with China are on the agenda of Friday's talks at the European Council meeting in Brussels. Some member states believe the West relies too much on an undemocratic country that has close ties with Russia. The invasion of Ukraine highlighted the West's dependence on Russian oil and gas, and there are concerns that a similar mistake is being made with respect to China, the source of many consumer goods, the BBC notes. On Thursday, the first day of the Council meeting, the situation in Ukraine and Russia was in the focus of the talks. According to Radio Romania's correspondent, EU leaders have undertaken to help Ukraine in the long run to defend itself against Russia's military aggression. The meeting was also attended by the NATO Secretary-General Jens Stoltenberg, with the President of Ukraine Volodymyr Zelensky joining in via video link. The President of Romania, Klaus Johannes, said both the EU and NATO must provide proportional support to the Republic of Moldova as well, which is waiting to take the next step towards European integration. As regards the transit of Ukrainian grain, which has affected Romanian farmers, the President says Romania may provide an answer to Kyiv's request for more intensive use of the Danube River as a transit option. Stay tuned for more after the news. Teaching staff in the Romanian public undergraduate education sector will receive more benefits under the new collective bargaining agreement signed on Thursday. The announcement was made by the Education Minister Ligia Deca. 
On the other hand, Sanitas Trade Union announced they have secured pay raises for public healthcare staff. The Constitutional Court of Romania will discuss on the 26th of July a notification filed by the High Court of Cassation and Justice against the scrapping of special pensions and the law prohibiting the payment of both public sector salaries and pensions to the same person at the same time. Both bills were passed on Wednesday in Parliament and are being checked for compliance with the Constitution before being sent for promulgation by President Klaus Johannes. Supreme Court judges decided to notify the Constitutional Court with respect to the two bills, which they claim violate several of their rights. The Prime Minister of Spain, Pedro Sánchez, travels to Kyiv on Saturday to reiterate the European Union's unwavering support for Ukraine on the first day of Spain's rotating presidency of the EU Council, the 1st of July. The announcement was made by the President of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky. Ukraine is an EU candidate country and is hoping to open accession negotiations at the end of this year. And we end with sports. Romania is placed 13th in the nation's ranking at the European Games in Krakow, Molopolska in Poland, nine days into the competition. Romanian athletes have so far won 14 medals, 5 gold, 4 silver and 5 bronze. Cyclist Vlad Daskalo in the mountain bike event, athlete Claudia Boboja in the 1,500-meter race, Bernadette Soch in the table tennis final, as well as Kinga Barabasi and Apor Georgidak in tag ball, are Romania's gold medalists. Silver medals went to athletes Bianca Gelber in the hammer throw event and Daniela Stancho in the high jump, to rower Katalin Kirila in the 500-meter canoe race and to Ilinka Pantish in the sabre event. Stefan Komanescu in the 67-kilogram comité, Andrea Miklos in the 400-meter race, Malina Kalugaranu in the foil event, Ovidiu Ionescu and Bernadette Soch in the mixed doubles and Elisabetta Samara in the women's table tennis competitions, respectively, won bronze medals. Romania takes part in this year's edition of the European Games with 150 athletes in 18 sports. And that was the news on Radio Romania International. Ukraine invaded by Russian troops and the neighboring Republic of Moldova, an ex-Soviet state with a majority Romanian-speaking population, remain on the agenda of the European decision-makers. I'm Lekramera Simeon with more on this issue in this commentary by Bogdan Matei. European and Euro-Atlantic structures, Romania included, will continue to support Ukraine with everything necessary, President Klaus Johannes said in Brussels. He added that in the speech delivered at the ongoing European Council meeting, he also mentioned the need to help the Republic of Moldova, a state which in turn is affected by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. According to President Johannes, it is vital for the Ukrainians and for the European Union and NATO states to preserve the unity and solidarity between the two institutions and for Kyiv to continue to be supported unconditionally with everything we have. He also said that it's clear to everyone that we have to try to do everything to stop Russia, to stop this illegal war. 
in order to help Ukraine, President Yohannis says, we also need to help them in their European journey, adding that it is extremely important to help those who suffer from this war and need a chance. Romania's president said he explicitly referred to the Republic of Moldova, which needs Romania's support to increase its resilience and to become a member of the European Union. Neighboring both ex-Soviet republics, Romania helped them from the first day of the war started by the Russians on February 24, 2022. More than 4.5 million Ukrainians fled the invaders through Romania. Without Romania's support, the energy crisis in the Republic of Moldova could not have been overcome. The most recent polls confirm the massive adherence of the Moldovan citizens to the European path. Almost 60% of the respondents voted for joining the European Union, while only 37% would vote for joining the Eurasian Union controlled by Russia, show data of a survey quoted by Radio Kishino. Joining NATO is supported by 33.4% of the survey participants. The pro-Western president, Maya Sandu, remains the most popular political figure in the Republic of Moldova, and her party, Action and Solidarity, would get the most votes in the event of early parliamentary elections. If presidential elections were held next Sunday, almost 38% of the respondents would vote for Maya Sandu. The former pro-Russian president, the socialist Igor Dodon, would be voted by only 14.2% of the voters, and the current mayor of the capital, Kishinov, the ex-socialist Ion Teban, would get 6.2% of the votes. The criminal fugitive Ilan Shor, who is in Israel, being considered the main vector of Moscow's interests in the Republic of Moldova, would get 2.5% of the votes. About 43.5% of the respondents said that they do not trust any political figure. In the case of the parliamentary elections, Maya Sandu's party would obtain 44.3% of the votes, the pro-Moscow bloc of socialists and communists 21.5%, and the recently dissolved populist party of Shore 13.6%. <laughs> The teaching staff in Romanian pre-university education will have more benefits based on the new collective bargaining agreement, and health employees will receive more money starting August the 1st. I'm Mihaela Ignatescu with more in this report by Roxana Vasile. The teaching staff in pre-university education in Romania will have more benefits based on the new recently signed collective bargaining agreement. The announcement was made on her Facebook page by the Minister of Education, Lydia Deca, who specified that, we quote, as a sign of respect and appreciation for the work they do every day, the employees who have a sick child in their care, aged up to seven years, will benefit from reduced working hours without affecting their length of service. Two paid days off, not just one as before, will be given to teachers who have to stay home with a sick child. Also, the value of eyeglasses or lenses will be reimbursed to those employees who, according to their job duties, have to work on the computer. The possibility that a vacant position may be filled through an employment contract will also be regulated until the position is filled as a result of a contest. And Teachers' Day, marked annually on June 5th, will be non-working for the staff in education. 
These benefits, Ligia Deca said, are granted in addition to the salary increases that the teachers will receive in the following period. We recall that the teaching staff were an all-out strike for more than three weeks against the background of an underfunded education system and left at the disposal of the rather uninspired decisions of the ministers of different political colours who have headed it, at the end of May the teachers decided that it was time to voice their complaints, mainly salary-related, but also regarding the status of the Romanian teacher in particular and of education in Romania in general. This despite the adoption of new laws, which, say those who drafted and voted them, would give hope for the revival of the field. Financially better rewarded than teachers, including against the background of the not-too-distant COVID-19 pandemic that turned them into heroes, health employees will also have higher incomes starting August the 1st. The representatives of the Sanitas Federation, who represent them, have announced that in addition to the rights already negotiated and obtained, medical assistants and nurses will receive a monthly allowance of 500 lei, the equivalent of 100 euros, for the on-call shifts and for the days worked on weekends or for public holidays, they will get an extra 20 euros. Doctors will receive 500 lei for the extra on-call shifts. All employees in the system will benefit from holiday vouchers. Hiring will also resume. Contests for 4,000 jobs will be organized next and also for another 10,000 posts in the following period. That was Radio Newsreel. Focus on Romania. Next in this program is Song of the Day. Listen to Red Parliament with their latest release entitled Sunrise. Noi încă petrecem Și 
sare, noi încă petrecem Și gândul de la tine nu pot să-mi iau Când soarele răsare, amarul nu-mi trece La ultimul pahar tot pe tine te vreau You are listening to Radio Romania International. The Green Planet. Welcome to The Green Planet. I'm Eugen Nasta. A surface area of over 100,000 hectares of arid land stretches in southern Romania, nearby Dabuleni, a locality known as the motherland of sugar melons. The area is dubbed Romania Sahara. It already covers the greater part of Dolce County's eastern side, while silviculturists and NGOs have been trying really hard to stop the advance of sands, mainly with the help of acacia plantations. In the commune of Kircha, close by Craiova's international airport, over the summer, the farming cultivations are ailing not to mention the fact that summers in Oltenia are long and hot. However, the Forest of Tomorrow Foundation has come up with a new idea and performs an experiment. We have a brown-reddish soil, a semi-clay structure, Marianne Mekenich explains, who is employed by a company that contributes to the setting up of that experimental plantation. It doesn't have a satisfactory response in the dry season. It cracks a lot. His teams have already prepared 1.3 hectares of land that was sown with cereals and vegetables, just like the surrounding fields. What makes this parcel different, though, is the fact that it was simultaneously planted with fruit-bearing shrubs and trees. Always in search of new solutions for climate fight, the Forest of Tomorrow Foundation has purposefully financed a research study on the performance of agroforestry systems. We want our fight to be as active as possible against climate change, but also in a bit to enlarge Romania's forested surface areas. The director of the Forest of Tomorrow Foundation, Mihai Karadaika, explains. Mostly for the plain region, where we can find around 6% of Romania's forests, the benefits of the agroforestry systems are multiple. The reduction of the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, the increase of the farming cultivation's economic potential, through the humidity provided by the trees and the fertilization of the soil, protection for the livestock there where the agroforestry systems are implemented in farms, Mihai Karadaika also said. But what is an agroforestry system? We found that out visiting the site of the Forest of Tomorrow Foundation. The definitions provided by literature are many yet all of them highlight the integration of trees and other wood species in various combinations in the farming cultivations, in pastures or in zootechnical activities, in a bit to have extra benefits from the same surface area. The shelter belts protecting cereal cultivations or the trees, be they isolated or in groves, they have been preserved on livestock grazing land and are the handiest examples for Romania, Yet the concept is a lot broader when it comes to the applied side. It is perhaps the oldest model of long-lasting land management, dating from the Neolithic period, when human beings began to cultivate plants under the shelter provided by the forests. 
However, in the 20th century, the agroforestry systems were almost completely replaced in the West by intensive farming. Cultivations were planted on uninterrupted areas using mechanized means and supported chemically in order to cope with pests or to become more productive. Notwithstanding, in the last 40 years, the perspective has begun to change. As for the role of the forestry structures integrated in farming cultivations or in animal farming, it has been better and better understood and implemented. According to the European Association for Agroforestry Systems, EURAF, in Europe there are more than 8 million hectares cultivated according to that method. The trees provide wood for constructions or energy. They also provide edible fruits, shade and food for the livestock. Concurrently, trees stabilize the soil, also balancing its chemical composition. They offer protection for cultivations against the weather or pests. They purify the air and preserve the quality of waters in a given surface area. Forests or shelter belts support farming cultivations, render them more productive and increase their resilience towards climate change. Our research is, we hope, one first step we have taken towards a large-scale development of Romanian agroforestry, according to the specialists working for the Forest of Tomorrow Foundation. The project's head researcher is Mihai Anescu, a senior lecturer with Bucharest University of Agronomical Sciences and Veterinary Medicine. We have a plot of land we have divided into 20 square-shaped farm parcels with a 24-meter-long leg where we will plant both common forestry species such as the oak tree, the ash tree, the sycamore maple, the maple tree and many others but also some that are less used in Romania today. These are mainly xerophyte species, resistant to the droughty conditions, indigenous species such as the downy oak or alochthonous species with origins in other countries such as the honey locust or the Siberian elm. We will also plant fruit-bearing shrubs. Here behind me we can already see the European red raspberry densely cultivated. We will also plant blackberry trees but also agricultural species on our farm parcels. There will be parcels with corn and sunflower, with various densities and modern technologies. We will also test other suggestions that have already had good results in countries located mainly in Central and Western Europe, that is farther afield. We should also come up with irrigated rows, unirrigated rows, fertilized rows, unfertilized rows, so they can respond to more than 20 research questions. I place my stakes on fast results, well, not for the very first year, but for years two, three and four, as it is a project with a four-year duration. I'm counting on results that are at least interesting, results we can't wait to promote. And that was The Green Planet. This is Radio Romania International. Cultural event. Hello, I'm Cristina Mateescu. This year, the Polyrom Library, one of the most important collections of world literature in Romania, celebrates its 25th anniversary. 
coordinated by the literary critic and writer Bogdan Alexandru Stănescu, and from 2019 by the translator Dan Croitoru, the collection forms part of one of the biggest post-communist publishing houses in this country, Polyrom. The latter publishes books of contemporary Romanian literature, history, humanities, religion and world literature, while its Polyrom library collection is its best-selling project. Its best-selling author is the American writer J.D. Salinger, whose son, Matt Salinger, recently traveled to Bucharest to attend the 25th anniversary of the Polyrom library collection. On that occasion, the coordinator of this collection, Dan Croitoru, spoke about the importance of J.D. Salinger for his publishing house. One of the pillars of the Polyrom Library Collection for the past 25 years has been the American writer J.D. Salinger, who is famous all over the world and whose books have been published in millions of copies. Four of Salinger's novels were translated into Romanian and published as part of the Polyrom Library Collection. The novel Catherine the Rye, translated by Cristian Ionescu, a new translation we published in 2005, Franny and Zoe, translated by Mihaila Dumitrescu, Nine Stories, translated by Marcel Cornish Pop, and Raise High the Roof Beam Carpenters and Say More, an introduction, translated by Antoinette Aralian. Actor and film producer Matt Salinger has been, since 2010, when his father died, the executor of J.D. Salinger, who continues to enjoy just as much fame today, not only on account of his books, but also his seclusion, something some of his fans did not understand. His son says he understood his father's decision to reject fame and that now he is doing his duty to promote his work. Matt Salinger about J.D. Salinger. I think my father wrote about what is best of humanity, our capacity to love, our capacity to find beauty, our desire for authenticity and freedom. The themes that were central to his work, I think, are really important for everyone in this world. So does it surprise me that his work still strikes a chord in people? No. I'd be really depressed for humanity if they didn't. He was a terrifically funny man. I don't think that would surprise people because his sense of humor comes through in most of his work. But he was uproariously funny. So he was always entertaining to be around. He would always pay attention and really listen to anything I asked him or told him, which I don't think all fathers do. It's something I certainly tried to learn from him and, and be that way with my children. But he was attentive and fun. And I knew if I asked a question that I would get a really measured and thoughtful response. And that's maybe rare. I knew I was lucky to have him as a father. The unpublished manuscripts on which J.D. Salinger was working before he died are also in Matt Salinger's care and will be published sometime soon. Next in this program, sports. Welcome, I'm Mihaila Ignatescu with a look at this weekend's sporting events.
The European Games in Poland will end this weekend. After nine days of competitions, Romania climbed to the 13th place in the medal rankings. The Romanian delegation boasts 14 medals, of which five gold, four silver and five bronze. Gold medals were won by cyclist Vlad Daskalu in mountain biking, athlete Claudia Bobocha in 1500 meters, Bernadette Soch in table tennis in the women's singles event and Romania's representatives in the individual women's and men's tech ball events, Kinga Barabash and Apor Gheorghidec, respectively. Silver medalists were Catalin Kirila in the 500-meter single canoe, the athletes Bianca Gelber in the hammer throw and Daniela Stanciu in the high jump, as well as the fencer Ilinka Pantish in the sabre event. The bronze medals were won by Stefan Comonescu in karate, the 67 kilograms category, athlete Andrea Miklos in the 400-meter event, fencer Melina Calugareanu in foil, as well as table tennis players Ovidiu Ionescu and Bernadette Soch in mixed doubles and Elisabetta Samara in women's singles. The European Under-21 Football Championship, which takes place in Romania and Georgia, continues at the end of this week with the quarter-finals. In Romania on Saturday in Bucharest, Spain will take on Switzerland. And on Sunday in Cluj-Napoca, France will play against Ukraine. In Georgia, in Tbilisi, the host country's team takes on Israel on Saturday. Then on Sunday in Kutaisi, England faces Portugal. Several Romanian football teams are playing these days, verification games in preparation for the new season, which will start in two weeks. Currently at the training camp in Slovenia, the Dinamo Bucharest team returned this year to the Romanian Super League and this Sunday will play against the Hungarian team Zalagershegi. On Wednesday, Dinamo beat the Croats from Slaven Belupo 1-0. In Slovakia on Saturday, Rapid Bucharest will play with another team from Hungary, Gyor. The railway men ended the first friendly match of the training camp held on Wednesday in a draw. 1-1 with the Slovakian team Tunaska Streda. That was Sports Weekend. Don't forget you can revisit our shows at rri.ro and on Facebook. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Coming up next in today's broadcast, it's music highlights. I'm Ana Maria Popescu and today's installment is devoted to the commemoration of 30 years since the great Romanian baritone and professor Octav Nigarescu passed away. Here is a first recording of him performing the aria Di Geloso Amor Sperzato from Verdi's Il Trovatore, jointly with the Symphonic Cinematography Orchestra and the Bucharest National Opera Choir, conducted by Egizio Massini. <laughs> Oh, 
Octave Nigarescu was born in Bucharest on the 13th of July 1924. His mother, the first woman in Romania to earn a PhD degree, noticed her son's talent for music and enrolled him with the Astra Private Conservatory. Octave Nigorescu made his debut at the age of 21 in 1945 in Bucharest. He was the principal soloist of the National Opera in Bucharest for 22 years until 1977 and also its director for three of these years. He performed on major European stages and he also taught music in Romania and Serbia. We go on today with another aria from Verdi's Il Trovatore. Octave Venigarescu worked with internationally famed directors like André Cluytens and Michel Blasson, and his outstanding voice, together with his remarkable flair for acting, made him one of the most brilliant performers of Verdi opera parts, especially Rigoletto, a role he played in over 360 shows in 181 theatre halls. We wrap up today's music segment devoted to the baritone Octave Nigorescu with a famous Figaro Cavatina from Joachino Rossini's Barber of Seville, with Octave Nigorescu accompanied by the Radio Chamber Orchestra conducted by Constantin in Bobesco.
Living Romania Coming up next Through the Looking Glass Hello and welcome to a new edition of Through the Looking Glass. I'm your host, Elena Enake. Today we will talk about the European Public Prosecutor's Office, EPO, a rather new European institution which became operational in 2021 and which is headed by the Romanian Laura Codruța Kovesi. 
This makes Kuvishi the first European chief prosecutor in history. The European Public Prosecutor's Office, IPO in short, is an independent public prosecution office of the European Union. It is responsible for investigating, prosecuting and bringing to judgment crimes against the financial interests of the European Union. These include several types of fraud, VAT fraud with damages above 10 million euro, money laundering, corruption and so on. The EPO undertakes investigations, carries out acts of prosecution and exercises the functions of prosecutor in the competent courts of the participating member states until the case has been finally disposed of. Up until the EPO starting its operations, only national authorities could investigate and prosecute these crimes, but their powers stopped at the borders of their country. Organizations like Eurojust and Europol do not have the necessary powers to carry out such criminal investigations and prosecutions. Since starting its operations on June 1, 2021, EPO has registered more than 4,000 crime reports from participating EU member states and private parties. Participating member states need to have the PIF directive adopted into their national legislations. This directive of the Council and the Parliament covers the fight against fraud to the European institutions' financial interests by means of criminal law and increases the level of protection of the EU budget by harmonizing the definitions, sanctions and limitation periods of criminal offences affecting the EU's financial interests. It also defines which crimes are within the mandate of the EPO. These are cross-border VAT fraud involving total damages of at least 10 million euros, other types of fraud affecting the EU's financial interests, corruption that damages or is likely to damage the EU's financial interests, misappropriation of EU funds or assets by a public official, money laundering and organized crime, as well as other offenses linked to one of the previous categories. You are listening to Radio Romania International. For example, if a civil servant takes a bribe in relation to an EU-funded project and conceals it by buying a house, the EPO can investigate both the passive corruption and the subsequent money laundering. The annual report for the activities of the European Public Prosecutor's Office in 2022 shows a clear focus on EU fraud affecting public revenue, in particular cross-border VAT fraud. By the end of 2022, the EPO had 1,117 active investigations with overall estimated damages of 14.1 billion euros, nearly half of which resulted from VAT fraud. In 2022, the EPO received and processed 3,318 crime reports and opened 865 investigations. Moreover, judges granted the freezing of 359 million euros in EPO investigations, which represents more than seven times the organization's 2022 budget. Laura Kodruca-Kyoveshi, European Chief Prosecutor, said upon presenting the institution's activity report, quote, 
We have demonstrated that the EPO has an unprecedented capacity to identify and trace volatile financial flows and opaque legal arrangements. We have proven that the speed, efficiency and information gains in EPO-led investigations make it hard for traditional cross-border coordination methods to compete. We are on the right track, but we need to do more. The EPO is far from having reached its full potential. If we want the EPO to make a lasting difference, we need organizational and legal adjustments. These include the revision of the EPO regulation and the assignment of the EPO cases of dedicated and specialized financial fraud investigators in all the participating member states. The European delegated prosecutors formed a front line of the EPO working on the decentralized level in the 22 participating EU member states. In all the different member states, they have the same priorities. Catalin Laurentiu Borcoman is the European prosecutor for Romania. He has been a public prosecutor for 24 years, during which time he has held several executive and managerial roles at local and national levels. For the past 14 years, he has worked in the Directorate for the Investigation of Organized Crime and Terrorism. In 2007, he was advisor to the General Prosecutor of Romania, a position similar to Deputy General Prosecutor in the Romanian judicial system. On May 29, 2023, the European Public Prosecutor's Office referred a criminal case to the Yash Tribunal Court in Romania, where a customs official has been indicted for participating in a tax fraud scheme involving importing tobacco. The charges against the defendant concern his suspected involvement in a fraud scheme orchestrated to evade the payment of taxes and custom duties on imported tobacco at the Siret Customs Office, the main customs point at the Romanian border with Ukraine. According to the investigation, several individuals and companies from the Czech Republic, Germany, Italy, Lithuania, Poland, Slovakia and Ukraine put in place a fraudulent customs circuit for the import of processed tobacco from the United Arab Emirates and Turkey. These tobacco products were destined for third non-EU countries such as Ukraine and Kazakhstan and were therefore declared as being in transit by the EU, which allows for the suspension of the payment of taxes until the goods are acquired in the country of their final destination. In reality, though, according to the evidence collected, the goods did not leave the EU area and were instead sold illegally on the black market in some EU countries, including Belgium and Germany. This was allegedly done with the complicity of a Romanian customs officer at the Siret Customs Office, which is the main customs point at the Romanian border with Ukraine. It is alleged that between June 2017 and January 2018, a total of 50 shipments of processed tobacco products were declared as being in transit through the EU, the majority originating in Italy. There were also shipments starting from Germany, Lithuania and the Czech Republic. Investigators believe that the vehicles declared at the Siret Customs Office as transporters of tobacco were in reality empty to simulate the transit to third countries and thus evade the payment of taxes and custom duties. 
As a consequence, the goods were sold within EU countries at huge profits, while evading tax, excise and VAT collection. It is estimated that the scheme caused damages of over 650,000 euros in customs duties alone. Dear friends, that's been all from Through the Looking Glass today. Until next time, it's goodbye. Focus on Romania. Coming up next on Radio Romania International. Simply Folk. Today's edition of Simply Folk features Maria Peter, an artist born in 1925 in Salva, Bistrița, Nasaud County, in the north of Romania. She was the first performer of Transylvanian songs that recorded more than 300 tunes. So to end today's broadcast, here is Maria Peter with a tune recorded back in 1976, together with the Radio Folk Orchestra conducted by George Vanco. The tune is titled Proud of Cluj and Feleac. Mândrui Clujul și Feleacul, la 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 Mi s-a dus podea săracul, la 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 Mi s-a dus și nu mai vine șai, la 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 Și-o lăsat dorul la mine șai, la 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 Boy, 
And with that, our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. You can listen to our next program for Western Europe at 17 UTC on 13,750 kHz in the DRM system and on 15,180 kHz in analog system. Listeners in Africa can receive our programs tomorrow at 11 UTC on 15,320 and 17,670 kHz. We can also be heard on the internet at www.rri.ro, channel 1. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl at rri.ro. Goodbye.